The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Uh, Church, uh, I have longed to preach today's message to you. Um, I recognize that today is Palm Sunday, but some of these things that have been stirring in my heart have been stirring in my heart for months now, and I believe with all my heart that now is the right time to preach some of these things. So if you would, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 6, finding our way to verse 60. John 6, verse 60. And as you're making your way there to that text, the portion prior to verse 60, Jesus says something that was a hard saying. He said to the people around him, he says, For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed, and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That was a hard saying, and... We pick up in verse 60 where we read about the aftermath of this difficult thing that Jesus said. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who do not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Join me in sincere prayer, church. Father, it would be enough for us in this moment right now to decrease and for you to increase. It would be enough for our distractions to decrease, our likes and dislikes to decrease, our personalities to decrease, that you might increase among your people, that the praise of your name would increase among your people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all the church says together. So Jesus says this difficult saying of 
You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And we know today, hopefully, we know that this was Jesus teaching in a figurative way about the Lord's Supper, that we must be in Him. His flesh being tortured must happen on our behalf. His blood being spilled must happen on our behalf for us to know Him. And the aftermath is simply that there were a great multitude of people that were following Him and then upon hearing this difficult saying, left because it was a hard saying. And He looks to the disciples and says, do you also want to go away? To which Peter replies and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. We've come to know and believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where else will we go? It was the year 1519 when Hernan Cortez landed on the shoreline of Mexico with his 600 men to conquer that region of the world. And Cortez did something that was very peculiar to all the men. He ordered for that once all the supplies that they needed for the journey ahead of them and the conquest before them, that he decided to have torches set to the ships. And Cortez and his 600 men stand on the beach and they watch all of these ships go down in a sizzling, smoking, heaping mess down into the water. And it's almost as if Peter says, Jesus, we've already burned the ships. We don't have anywhere else to go. Who else has the words of eternal life like you have? Who else is the only Christ like you are, the one and only Son of God? And you might say, Pastor Ben, that's a cool little sounding story, but, but why are you preaching this? The reason I'm preaching this, church, is because if you take a survey of the condition of Christianity, at least in our country, at least in our state, there are many ships that people are tempted to go back to. Cortez knew that the trial would be, knew that the journey would be trialsome. He knew that there would be challenges and that there would be opposition. And he didn't want his men to fight with the escape route already in their minds. He didn't want them to be warriors that were considering going back the way they came, the safe way, the comfortable way, the way that perhaps the mob of 600 men could collectively influence each other all to retreat back to the boats. He didn't want them fighting in that kind of way. And many Christians today are traversing life with increasing opposition with those kinds of things in their minds of retreating back to ships that they came from before. There are single Christian people that are finding opposition in a world of God bringing them this godly mate that they're praying for and this this ship that they're tempted to go back to is, is one of dating a non-believer, which we know is forbidden in the Word of God. They're tempted to go back to that ship. We as a Christian culture are moving into a time of persecution where there's this temptation not to trust what God has said and to fall to the peer pressure around us. In Adam and Eve's day, it was the devil getting them to question what it was that God had said and them trusting in their own human understanding and thus sinning before God. In the day of the Tower of Babel, the people did not believe the Word of God. They didn't trust it, which was to go into all the world and subdue it. They all stayed in one spot and they start building this huge tower, not at the command of God. They, they did not believe the Word of God. They trusted their own understanding and they sinned before God. 
In Moses' day, at the base of that mountain is all the Israelites, this entire nation waiting for Moses to come back down this mountain. The instruction was to wait for Moses. That's what they were supposed to do, but they give in to the peer pressure around them and they build this golden calf and the mob begins to worship this golden calf. They, they go back to the way of idol worship. They went back to the ship of human understanding. They went back to what they knew, the things that these ships that they still left on the beach in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was a golden statue that all the people were to worship at the same time. They, the people knew God's Word, but, but they were challenged in the culture in which they were. Did God really say that you're only supposed to worship the one true only God? And Well, why don't we all just worship this great big statue of the King? Let's, let's order for everyone to worship this statue. And many people failed by going back to this ship that they had left on the beach. Let me be real clear with you, and this might make many of you mad today, but I say lovingly that I really don't care. The human understanding of Adam and Eve, the Tower of Babel of that day, the calf, the golden calf of Moses' day, and the statue of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's day, this this questioning of what God has said in worshiping Him alone and bowing down to what everyone else is bowing to, the movement of social justice and Black Lives Matter is that God of today. And it's a ship that many people are tempted to go back to. This lukewarm ship of going in this journey with Jesus and, and there's people that question things like the six-day creation and question things like did God really part the Red Sea and they question things like was there really a man named Jonah who got swallowed by a fish and, and they question scriptural authority. They don't bow to it. They question what God has said and they go back to this ship that they have left on the beach. So my goal this morning is very, very simple and plain, church. It's to get you to convince you in light of Jesus in light of our master who, who looks at us and says, there's going to be trials in this journey. In this life, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Jesus says. I have already overcome the world. And my encouragement to you this morning will be to get you to burn some of these ships that you're tempted to go back to. These ships of human understanding. These ships of not doing things God's way when you know what God's Word says about dating and relationships and marriage that you're not to be unequally yoked. You cannot marry or date an unbeliever. I believe with all my heart, church, that if we were to have Peter or the Apostle Matthew or John, if, if, if we could interview them this morning, if we could grab that microphone and pass it off to them and just say, what would you say to us? I believe with all my heart that they would say, man, whatever it takes, follow Jesus. He's worth trusting. His word is worth trusting. And we know that, that they believe that because they died for it. All of them did. So let's go to God's word, verse 60, as we see what God's word says to us today. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this difficult saying, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was, where he was before? These people left following Jesus 
and many of which likely became the very ones that persecuted him because of this hard saying that he said of, you must eat my flesh, you must drink my blood. This metaphorical teaching that he was teaching as a foreshadowing of the Lord's Supper. Many of them left. They became persecutors of Jesus, persecutors of his followers. And I don't know if you have noticed this, church, but there are lots of really hard sayings in today's world. Things that are causing people to do the exact same thing in Jesus' day. Hard sayings like there's life in the womb. Hard sayings like men and women are different. It's a hard saying today. And people are not following Jesus because of it. And they're becoming persecutors of the church because of it. That all people are created in God's image. All people created in God's image and thus all lives matter. That's a hard saying for a lot of folks today. That homosexuality and transsexuality and fornication and any perversion outside of God's design for the sexual relationship inside of marriage, it's a hard saying today. And because of these worldly pressures, these things tempt us to go back. These are trials on this journey with Jesus. We're standing on the beach and we've begun the march toward inland and and we're facing these persecutions and we're tempted to go back. We're tempted to lend ourselves to human understanding. We're tempted to go back to... to to fall to some of these pressures, and they are full of pressure, church. It makes me glad this morning that there are just, man, so many good examples in Scripture of people that it just shows us how, how they burned the ships. They weren't going back. They weren't a soldier in the army of the Lord in a weak-willed kind of way. They weren't going back. It, they were going to do no matter anything, no matter what it took. In Acts 7... Verse 51 to 60, we read of a man named Stephen. The Bible says of this man that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And listen what it is that he says to the people, the Pharisees largely that were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. He says to them, he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold of the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. What does it mean for someone to gnash their teeth? It means to snarl. It means to bare one's teeth and to snarl at them. The Pharisees, because Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, outlines what it was that they had done, killing the Son of God, how their fathers did the same thing. They always resisted the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's prompting to not be that way. They resisted it, just like their fathers. And Stephen outlines this, and they snarl at him. And you might say, Pastor Ben, man, that sounds really extreme. Like, they, they growled, they literally growled at him. You know, we ought to read God's Word and realize that it's really not all that extreme. And here's what I mean by that. You've probably been noticing some of the same stories that's been going on in our world as I have. You've been noticing some of the stories that come out of Canada and a pastor that chooses to lead his, peop- chooses to lead his people in God's Word, which says... 
to assemble yourselves together, to not forsake that assembling of yourselves together, and even more so as you see the day approaching, book of Hebrews says. He chooses to be faithful in that, and he, they arrest him. They lock him up. They put him in handcuffs, and they lock him up because he would not close the church. Just this week I heard a story of a man in Chicago, a guy who owned a sandwich shop in Chicago. He's a Christian guy, and he's very charismatic, very likable, very, very successful. Clothing brands know about him. He's a very well-known person in Chicago, or at least was. And because he's a Christian, he became the focal point of the social justice movement that decided they were basically going to crucify him unless he posted on his website and supported the ungodly, the wicked, the demonic agenda of the Black Lives Movement organization. He would not do it. He, with the leadership in his church, crafted a statement that said, I believe in God. I believe that all people are created in God's image and therefore all lives matter. They wanted to kill his family. That wonderfully tolerant group wanted to literally kill him and to burn his restaurant and their upstairs apartment that they lived in above this very famous restaurant. So I don't think that that's very far off at all from snarling at them. And, and I preach about it in this encouraging way, and, and I want you guys to see that, man, that sandwich shop owner in Chicago, he's a modern-day Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because he was not going to bow down to the one great big statue that everybody else was pressured, even if they were going to throw him into the fire furnace, even if they were going to do all the things that they said they were going to do. He's a, he, an absolute modern-day version of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't bow down regardless of what the threat was. And I'm glad that there's examples of sandwich shop owners in Chicago and pastors in Canada and Stephen, that man that was full of the Holy Spirit who had done burned the ships. They weren't going back. Didn't matter what happened. They weren't going back. They weren't going to bow down. They were going to trust in God alone because God's word says that he is the only one worthy of worship, not an organization, not a movement of any kind. And I know I preach about it in this kind of encouraging way, and I, ho I do hope that it is encouraging, but man, I just want to be transparent with you how, how hard it is sometimes to burn the ships. About a year ago, I guess it was a little over a year ago, whenever it was, when COVID first began, and there were all these rumors that you would hear of pastors that were being persecuted because they weren't closing down their churches even churches doing drive-in services there were all these rumors and stories of sheriff's departments that were going and taking down license plates of people in a drive-in service and closing down the church and slapping a bunch of fines and arresting pastors and arresting congregational members and all these things and man i'll tell you what church i really struggled and for those of you that know me well i've shared this with you that man i really struggled for the first part of last year if I was a single guy, it would have been no big deal. It's like, whatever, I'm just going to keep preaching if they arrest me. I'll just preach in jail and whatever. But when you've got a wife and kids, man, it just feels way different. It's when you've got people that depend on you and all of these things. And, and I struggled. I really struggled for about three weeks. And Abby knew of this great struggle. And I, I wish I could tell you, church, I wish I could tell you that I was strong in that phase. I wish I could tell you that my heart was, it doesn't matter what happens. I love Jesus more than my family. I'm going to preach no matter what. But you know, want to know, honestly, if I'm transparent with you this morning, what temptations were coming my way is, is the, the, the temptation was to go back to the ship that I came in on. The temptation was 
you know, Ben, you've got your bachelor's degree in sports science. You are a pretty good personal trainer. Usually Black Lives Matter doesn't want to kill your children because you help people lose weight. Black Lives Matter wants to kill people because they believe the gospel. And I was tempted. I wish I could tell you that I was stronger than that, but I was tempted. But something wonderful happened. I had actually forgotten. I'm usually not here on the weekends and whatnot because I spend time with my families and such. But um, I had forgotten some food here at the church. We were going to have a bunch of college students out to the church. And I, I came out to the church to pick up what I had forgotten that week. And, and I, I, I called Abby to let her know that I was on my way home. I don't even know why I called her, really, because I usually don't call her if it's just a quick trip like that. And, and I don't even know how we got on the subject. We'd been talking about some of these things and, and what had been so burdensome on my heart. And and my little wife, I'll tell you what, she is 120 pounds soaking wet, but she can punch like a heavyweight when it comes to God's kingdom. She, we're on the phone, and she says, she says, you know, Ben, I don't ever want to be without you. I don't ever want our kids to be without you. But if there was ever this option that you had, whether to preach the gospel and go to jail or choose to not preach the gospel and everybody's just cool with you, I'd be ashamed to tell our children the story of you if you did not preach the gospel. And can I just tell you, church, with tears streaming down my face in the car as I'm driving back home, there was a ship that was burned that day. Because I decided then, and it, it literally, I, I decided to burn the ship. I wasn't going back. I'm not going back to the very successful personal training career that I had. I'm not going back there. God has called me to preach, and I'm going forward. I'm burning the ship. I'm moving forward. I don't care what happens. I don't care who wants to harm my family. I don't care what kind of furnace they're going to throw me in. I'm going forward. I'm burning the ship. So what I feel like telling you this morning, church, is burn the ships of worldly ways, church. We ought to be like Stephen where he just, he's so clear outlines what's sin what's not he's the son of god you killed him your fathers persecuted and killed the prophets who foretold of jesus coming you are the ones to blame you ought to repent and they snarled he didn't care they stoned him they killed him he wasn't going back he was he had already burned the ships we ought to burn the ships church in some of these areas of life that we go forward and we feel this pressure, this cultural pressure to bow down and do these things. When we hear things like, well, abortion is a woman's right, you ought to say, I've already burned that ship. It's life in the womb. God's word says it is, and the life ought to be protected. Don't say anything to me about women's rights. There's women inside of those wombs being murdered. When people say things like gender is this fluid thing and there's 58,000 genders, we ought to say God said there, he made them male and he made them female. And after he made them male and female, he said it was good. I've already burned the ship of human understanding and thinking there's 58 genders. Nature preaches that there's two genders, church. When people come up with these all people are created in God's image. They're created in the image of God, regardless of the color of their skin. And if you've got eyes to read your Bible, you know that, and you know that for certain. All lives matter because they're all made in the image of God. 
these pressures of the homosexuality, transgender fornication, all of these perversions. Can we just preach like Stephen did, full of the Holy Spirit, regardless of what people wanted to do? You know the thing that's happening now, the trendy thing that's going on that I'm now hearing about is that people that ascribe to this kind of life, this kind of perverted, wicked life, by the way, which there's room at the cross for them for, they ought to come and find grace and healing like we have for sin. But let's still call it a sin like it is because it is. It's a perversion. And the new thing that's going around now is that these people that ascribe to this wicked way, they will go on, because now every church in the world is live streaming their services. They'll surf and they'll find preachers like this that will denounce that kind of lifestyle and still say that it's still a sin because that's exactly what God's Word says. And, and they'll try to get the pastor arrested. They're doing all kinds of stuff just through, and if, and if that would ever be true for this church, man, I just want you to know there's room at the cross for the homosexual to find forgiveness and grace and His wonderful mercy. I hope and pray that they come, church. I just hope and pray that we burn the ships of these worldly ways, that we're not tempted to go back and we continue pressing on. If you believe it, say amen. amen. So you might say, Pastor Ben, how do I burn these ships? How, how do I... I, I hear you, I, I, don't, I, I feel the temptation. Pastor, man, I feel this temptation as a young single Christian. Man, it's like there's hardly anyone out there. I, I feel the temptation to go back to the old way of dating someone that I know is not saved, and I feel that temptation. And, and Pastor, man, I feel the temptation from people that are really scholarly and really intellectual when it comes to their explanation of creation, and I feel the, I feel the draw to this evolution and some of these things. And how, how, do I, how do I burn the ship so that I can be like Stephen and like that Chicago guy that's in the, that has that sandwich shop? How do I, how do I burn the ships? And I'm so glad that our Savior gives us the very clear answer. Look to verse 63 of our text this morning. It is the Spirit who gives life, Jesus says. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Everyone say the word believe. believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, this understanding of believing, believing, they didn't believe. And because they didn't believe, they didn't continue on. They come across this opposition, this hard saying that Jesus says. And because they can't intellectually make it settle in their spirit, they just leave. And the reason they do is because they don't believe. The disciples believed. Jesus still said lots of things that were really puzzling to them, but they stayed because they believed. Now this teaching, this element, is found elsewhere in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, which is the devil, has blinded, who do not believe. There in the end of the of Hebrews chapter 3, for who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not with those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not believe. So the second thing I want to tell you this morning, church, is burn the ships of worldly ways with belief. With belief. When you believe in God and you believe 
in his sovereignty. The temptation as a young single person is, is God's going to bring the right person that believes and is a saved Christian. I, I don't need to go back. I can burn that ship. I'm not going back when you believe in God's perfect sovereignty and his good love for you when you believe those things. It allows you to burn the ship. When you believe that God is who He says He is, that He is holy, that He is righteous, and that He is the only one worthy to be worshipped. And we see all these pressures to worship the God of this age, which is social justice. You don't worship that God anymore. You say, I'm, I burned the ship. I'm not going back. God is the only one worthy to be worshipped. When you believe, church, you do the right things with your sin. You don't make a flag for it. You don't champion it. You don't make a parade for it. You don't make a whole movement that condones your sin and it seeks to silence anyone else that has opposition towards you. You do the right thing with your sin. You believe in God. You believe what His Word says about His holiness. You believe what God's Word says about your heart, which is desperately wicked above all things. You believe what God's Word says and you become like Isaiah when he sees the full weight of who God is and the full weight of his sinful heart and his sinful lips. He says, woe is me, I am undone. He didn't make a parade for it. He didn't make a flag for it. He didn't seek to have everyone in the world condone it. He said, woe is me. I am undone because of my sin. And what a sweet picture it has there in Isaiah of, of God having an angel take a coal from the altar representing the righteousness of God and touching it to the lips. The thing that Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm, a, I'm among an unclean people. And God takes this piece of holiness from him and imparts it onto Isaiah. And then he was made right. He was forgiven of his sins. What a great picture of the gospel. If you believe it, say amen. We ought to burn the ships that we came in on, church. And you might say, Pastor Ben, I, just, I can't just believe. I can't just believe. Believe is something, belief is something that just kind of has to happen to you. Dear friend, that's where you're wrong. Romans 10.14 says, How then shall they call upon him who have they not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You're in good company this morning, church, because I'm the preacher. If you've got ears, you're hearing me. And thus, by God's word, the definition of it, you are able to believe. So what I hope is clear, church, is that the people that left Jesus, the mob that, when Jesus goes riding into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and they're saying, glory to God in the, in the highest, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And just a little bit later, it's the same mob that's saying, crucify him! The reason that happens is because they don't believe. The disciples who stayed were the ones that believed and you might say well okay then why is it that won't why won't people believe why is it that people why is it that there are christian leaders who are set, who, who are making it pretty plain that they don't believe by the really stupid stuff they're saying like andy stanley do you know here's a little treat for you church did you know that andy stanley is embarrassed He's embarrassed because churches decided to be obedient to God's word instead of the government and kept on meeting throughout COVID. He's embarrassed. Congratulations, New Covenant Community Church. You're the reason that Amley Stanley is embarrassed. Good. When unbelieving, disobedient to the word of God are embarrassed, good. We're probably doing something right. So let's just keep on marching. The reason I believe, church, as best I can tell in Scripture, that people don't believe is because of 
the pleasure and unrighteousness, as it says there in 2 Thessalonians 2. It's the textbook picture of the young ruler that runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, he's this young, jet-setting, good-looking, rich, powerful guy, and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the law. Honor your father and mother, keep the Sabbath, etc., etc." And he says, Jesus, I've kept those things from my youth. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, go and sell your riches to the poor and then come and follow me. And what does Scripture say? It says that he left, went away sorrowful because he was a man of great riches. He had more pleasure in worshiping his riches than he had more pleasure in going to serve and to follow Jesus. He had to give up something. He had to give up unrighteousness. He had to give up the pleasure in unrighteousness. He had to repent. He had to repent of his sins to go and then follow Jesus is what he had to do. He had to give something up. There was this pleasure in unrighteousness. And it's very scary to me when you have all these very famous Christian leaders, then they say stuff that's like, man, I don't even know if they're saved. It's like, man, what kind of pleasure and unrighteousness do they have going on in their life that's causing them to not follow God and to not be obedient to the Word of God? It's very strange. It reminds me of the story I heard this week of these English explorers that went to Australia, and they came back with reports of this animal that was a mammal, laid eggs, looked something like a beaver, but had feet like a goose and a duck and a bill like a duck. And a, and a tail like a beaver. And no one believed it. They said, we don't believe it. We don't believe that such an animal exists. A mammal laying eggs, we don't believe that it's there. So the English explorers went back to Australia and they did sketches of this animal and got all the details of this animal. And they said, we still don't believe it. We still don't believe that there could be such a thing. So the English explorers go back and they get one. And they bring it. And they set it before them. And you know what the people still said? We don't believe it. Because there was pleasure in them being right. They had to admit that they were wrong to see this thing. I just think perhaps there are so many people, church, there are so many people in our world today that have this pleasure of, in unrighteousness. They've got this prideful, my way is better than God's. I'm not going God's way. I'm going my way. And it's because they don't believe. If you believe, it will humble you before Almighty God. If you believe it, say yes. Let's burn the ships of these worldly ways with belief. Look to verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So I guess the question I just want to ask you, church, on this Palm Sunday is, What's our testimony going to be in our families or for individuals if you don't have a family or as a church? What's our testimony going to be like? I know this person who is a DJ and he claims to be a Christian. He is, he's got a very strange weekend. On a Saturday night, he will DJ homosexual weddings. And on Sunday, he's at times been hired as a worship leader and leads worship on Sunday morning. God's people in worship. He bows down to all the gods that people tell him to bow down to. He supports people that support what God clearly says is wrong. And I just think, man, the devil has him right where he wants him. Devil's got, devil's got it made with this guy. And I just think that perhaps God is saying to us today, do we want to go that way to church? Do we want to go that way where 
You face the opposition and you just run back to whatever ship that people want you to run back to so that you fit in with everyone else. Do we really want to go that way? Do we really want to go the way of all those people on Palm Sunday that were singing God's praises and just a few days later were shouting out, crucify him? They didn't believe, church. Do we want our testimony to be like that? I'll tell you what our testimony ought to be like, church. And I'm just going to preach this. I'm going to pretend that you are all not here. And I'm going to preach this like God has been having me preach this after I feed the animals down and chores are done and I'm praying and spending time with the Lord. Here's church what our testimony ought to be. Is it going to be costly? Absolutely. Could it cost some of us more than we could ever possibly imagine giving for our Christian faith? Absolutely. But in light of Jesus, in light of what he's done, in light of his love for us, in light of his good care... We ought not to fear those who can kill the body, but we ought to fear the one who can kill the body and the soul and destroy them both in hell. We ought to fear that one, church. Our testimony ought to be like that of Joshua that says, you all do what you want to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to tell my little girls to go into the girls' bathroom because they've got certain body parts, and I'm going to teach my son to go into the men's bathroom because his body parts are different. God made them different, and it's good that they're different, and they go to the bathrooms that they're supposed to go to because it's what's right. We ought to have the testimony of like those three Hebrew boys in that sandwich shop owner in Chicago that will not, that will not, even when all the rest of the people that are supposed to be people of faith are bowing down to the gods of this world, that will not bow to the God of this world saying, do whatever you want. Black Lives Matter, go ahead and make threats to kill me and my children and to burn down everything that we have. Three Hebrew boys, go ahead and throw us in the fire furnace. We're only going to worship the Lord. That ought to be our testimony, church. We ought to have the testimony of that guy named Justin Martyr, one of the early church fathers who was quoted saying, they can kill us, but they can't hurt us. We've already done burned the ships. We ought to have that same attitude as Daniel when prayer is outlawed. Could you imagine prayer being outlawed? Yet in California last year, worship, singing to God was outlawed because you might spread. When the government makes those crazy things, we ought to say, better to obey God than to obey man. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go worship. I'm not going to bow down to this silliness. I'm not going to bow down to this nonsense. Holy Spirit, fill us like that man Stephen, who so prophetically and perfectly said to these men, you killed the Son of God. Your fathers are the same way. You resist the Holy Spirit. You do not believe. We ought to be like Peter and that preacher in Canada that says, put me in handcuffs. I'm preaching this gospel. You do what you want to do. I'm preaching this gospel. So lukewarm Christians that always seem to find us on YouTube, lukewarm Christians, <laughs> homosexual that's infuriated by what I'm preaching, you need to get right with God. You need to repent. You need to come back to your first love. Man, there are so many Christians out there that are just lukewarm and bowing down all over the place and doing whatever it is that the, that the hell-bound world is telling them to do. They need to repent. They need to find grace at the foot of the cross. God is abundant in mercy. He will freely and abundantly pardon them. What good news, church, that our Savior is full of love. He's perfect in righteousness. And I love everything about Him. Why? Why do we do this, church? Why do we live this way? 
it's pretty weird when you have to look at your kids and your wife and you really have to make the decision it really becomes perfectly clear a scripture that i never understood was jesus says you've got to love me more than your wife you've got to love me more than your kids and when you get to that point where you can say jesus i do I do love you more than my wife and my kids. I'll, I've burned the ships of going back. I don't care what threats come. I don't care if I, I don't care if my family goes hungry. You see how weird that sounds, but do you understand, church, that I'm not bowing down to this world? They're going the wrong way. The world is going the wrong way. And most people that say they're Christians are going that way too. The vision of this church is not to be a fancy, popular, got all the programs. Just, man, I really just want to lead people in what's right. I want to lead people in what's true. I want to lead people in the gospel. I want to live, lead people in what God's word says about God and us so that we can see him faithful in all areas of life. When we come down to the end of our days, I guess the reason for all this church, the, the, the why behind the what of all of this is because we have come to believe and know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you believe it, say amen. We've come to believe and know that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as such, when we come down to the end of our days, it's not going to be Black Lives Matter standing in the gap between my unrighteousness and God's holiness. It will not be my ability to be light that will stand between my unrighteousness and God's holiness. It will not be any of the things that so many people are doing that's going to stand between them where their sin-cursed self is and God's perfect holiness and righteousness. It's going to be one and one alone. And His name is Jesus. I've come to know and to believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would you stand with me as we come to the music? The sad reality, church, is the story of Palm Sunday. Of all those people that one day are with empty praises singing these things out to Jesus. And that are later saying, crucify him. You know the sad reality about that is that really represents like most people that call themselves Christians. What makes you think that our hearts are any different than those people? The difference I believe upon the authority of God's word is that some believed and that others did not. Would you pray with me? Father, we believe in you. God, I believe in you today. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that burns the ships. We're not going back. Father, I pray that when opposition would rise against us, that people would experience two things of this church. Our great love for you, God. And our call to them for, the, for them to repent. Let the sinner find love here, Lord. Let the sinner find forgiveness here, Lord. Let, their, let, let the homosexual be reminded that there's room at the cross for them. Jesus, we believe in you and we love you. Help us to burn these ships. We're not going back. I'm not going back, Lord. 
because I've come to know and believe that you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And what you've bought for me is too precious. The prize that's sitting ahead, eternal redemption, it is too precious, Lord. It's too precious for me to go back. So therefore, I'm kissing the ships that I came in on goodbye. Church, I am not looking for an emotional response. I'm looking for true, authentic. If you believe that there are things that you have been tempted to go back to, I want, to, I want you to raise your hand high and unashamed. Man, a lot more than I thought. I appreciate you. I love your honesty. And I just want to encourage you. It's hard. It's hard to burn a shit. But when you do, I'll tell you what, church. When Abby and I on that phone call burned that shit, man, we experienced some freedom. I experienced freedom in my faith that I have never experienced before. And it's worth it. What Jesus has done is worth it. The cross is worth it. The empty grave, church, is worth it. If you believe it, smile and clap your hands and say, Jesus is worth it. I love you, church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Be with us as we sing this song, as we worship you. Let it be in spirit and in truth. And all God's children said, amen. I'll be back in a moment.